Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to episode 22 of WTAF, a This Country podcast. Now, first, I'd like to introduce, he's a man, he has no idea what pesto is, but he loves a falafel. <laughs> or for a faffle. <laughs> <laughs> it's Neil! Hello there. Do you know, I've never had a falafel. I don't, I, well, it's just They're chickpeas bo- and shit, isn't it? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. I don't know, I, I, no, I I've never wanna... really looked at it and thought, hmm, fancy one of those. No? No. Have you ever had pesto? Probably. I've never bought it on purpose. Okay. (laughs) If you know what I mean. I don't go out of my way to buy it. Okay, so this week's episode, uh, we have a super fan guest. These have been uh, quite popular. They have. They have. Uh, Now, this gentleman is the writer and creator of the Sky One comedy Sick Note, which starred Rupert Grint. Ooh. Who was... Harry Potter, Ron Weasley. I thought he was going to say Harry Potter. Then I said, no, 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 you were completely wrong. Nick Frost and Don Johnson. (gasps) The Don Johnson. Crockett himself. Now, <laughs> sorry, kids. All of you kids out there listening on your devices, you won't know who Don Johnson was, but he was the yeah. man back in the 80s. He was. Everybody aspired to look like him. We all had the white jackets and the rolled-up sleeves. <laughs> we all did. And wished we could grow stubble at that time as yeah. well. Anyway, uh, it's this country superfan, Nat Saunders. Hello, Nat. Hello. Hi, guys. Thank How you are for you? having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. No, thank you for coming on. It really oh, is. Well, uh, we were we will chat about uh, your work a little bit later on, but we'll sure. start with the first question. How did you discover this country? Okay, well, uh, cards on the table here. I, um, I'm friends with the producer, Simon Mayhew Archer. He's a very good friend of mine. And I, a few years ago, he gave me a bit part in the show that he was producing, Josh. And I, I played a, uh, a man dressed as a sweet corn who has, takes a dump in front of Jack D and uh, then has sex uh, with a woman at a party in uh, Josh Williams' bed. And it wasn't really like, I wasn't really playing to my type. It wasn't like the kind of part I would normally do. And, but I was very grateful that Simon gave me a part in, um, in his show. 
And then uh, about six months later, I'm scrolling through my uh, Instagram, and I can see that he's in Northleach. And I'm like, what the shit is Simon doing <laughs> where I grew up? Because what I probably haven't told you guys is that I'm a Sirencester lad. So, really? oh, there yeah, you go. I'm, I'm siren till you die. So, like, I grew up in a village called Woodman Cote, yep. like about six miles out of Siren on the way to Cheltenham. Uh, I went to Deer Park School in Siren. Boo. I went to Siren Six Form. Oh, were you guys? <laughs> no, no, I, I was at Deer Park. I'm with you, Nat. I was oh, at okay, Deer Park. Boo. Okay, great. <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, so like, Siren is in my blood. Uh, I then lived in the village of Coates, and and my family, my my folks and like a lot of family, they still live between Siren and Tetbury, so I go back pretty regularly. So, like, I was like, what the shit? You, you, you cast me in a show um, where I have to, you know, have sex dressed as a, a sweet corn, but you don't cast me in a show which is literally filmed on my doorstep. Right. And, uh, and I'm still kind of like, you know, um, I mean, I, I was with Simon at the weekend and I told him I was coming on your show. And, um, and I'm fully expecting him to listen to this and give me a part in Series 3, because, come on. See, I, I, we'll fully support that decision absolutely. as well. Right. I don't know which is more worrying, the fact that he never cast you in something that was on your doorstep, or when he thought, right, I need somebody <laughs> that can dress up as a sweet corn and have sex on screen, I'm going to call Nat, Nat, that's the guy for me. <laughs> Apparently, I don't want to get typecast as, like, a sweet corn <laughs> sex guy, but you know what, I did a pretty good job, man. Uh, everyone seemed pretty pleased. Uh, don't forget, not just having sex, but also taking a dump. Um, so in front of Jack D. So it doesn't get any better you know, than that, does it? <laughs> that's real kind of career high. You really stuff. found your inner sweet corn. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So, so from there, that's where you discovered this country. And yeah, so uh, yeah, I, I was aware of it early on before it came out, and um, and being a writer and working in the industry for a long time, you have to. You know, every you know, you're friends with people that make TV shows, and and every now and then, friends make TV shows that aren't very good, and I've been guilty of that, and lots of my friends have been guilty of it too. So you always reserve judgment, and then you always have a lie that you have in your pocket whenever your friends say, "Hey, did you see my show?" and you kind of go, "Yeah, oh, it was great," and then you change the subject really quickly, so right. you don't ask anything about it, so that you don't kind of fall in the trap of showing that you actually uh, thought it was dreadful. So. Um, I was like, okay, I haven't heard of these guys. Uh, they're new to me, and uh, it's literally a show that I, I was like, why? You know, they always say like, write about what you know, and I was like, I've never even thought to write a show set in my own like hometown. Like, I didn't even think about that as a world for a show. And of course, they created the most perfect, brilliant, real, and funny show in the world. So, um, so obviously, I was insanely jealous. And also, it was one of those opportunities which I cherished, where I could say to my friend well done, you've made, like, such an amazing piece of work. So, uh, because normally, yeah, and like the, um, and, and I know when it happens to me, because people have been like that with me with Signal. I was like, I'm sure you said you'd seen it. And then they were, like, changing the subject so fast. <laughs> I, damn you, I know you didn't like it. So, um, so it's nice to be able to be genuine uh, to someone, you know, once in a while. So when, when you watched the first series, were you watching it when it came out every week, or did you binge watch it? Uh, no, I, I definitely uh, jumped in, but like when it, as soon as it landed on iPlayer, I was straight in. I wanted to see what they'd done. I wanted to see, you know, how they represented my where I grew up. And the show, like, just had this. My wife and I watched it together. And we both love it, and we just immediately hooked by the characters because she's from um, Siren Sister Two, and like we just, you know, these are kind of 
people that used to know. And, and it felt a bit timeless because at first I was like, when's this set? Because it literally feels like, like it's almost like the 90s. Because, mm. um, like, you know, a lot of modern things haven't crept into it. Too, or if they do, they're quite, you know, on the back burner. So it took me a little, like, you know, a few minutes to work out that it is set in the here and now because it still reminded me of what the area was like where I grew up when I grew up there, you know, which is like 80s and 90s. So, um, so it was like I knew, like, Curtin, like, literally, like, I had a mate, and I'm not going to do any name, name, name. <laughs> like, like I, he was just, like, identical to a friend that I used to have in the village of Wubinko that I used to hang out with and play and sing, kind of like, you know, because, I mean, you guys, you, you guys are scientists, right? Absolutely, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, you know about boredom. You know about, like, when you're growing up and you're literally, especially before the internet, like, there was literally nothing to do other than, uh, play crazy games in fields, which uh, were sometimes incredibly dangerous uh, oh. with, with your friends. And so, so all of the experiences, all the minutiae these guys uh, show in the TV show, it's just so. Re- I think that's why it's so loved and why it's so brilliant. It's because it's so real, and all that stuff comes from a place where these things have clearly happened to you know the writers. And so, as a as an accomplished writer yourself. Thank you. It, that's okay. Is it um, is it hard to just watch it just straight as a comedy show, or do you sometimes di- if if you watch it over again, maybe do you dissect it and and try and break it down a little bit? No, I'm too big a fan to dissect. If I if I'm watching something bad, maybe I dissect why it went wrong, and maybe I try and learn from it. But when I'm watching something good, and that applies to film or TV or you know a great book or anything like that, I'm just I'm too caught up in it. If I'm enjoying it, to um, I mean, obviously, I'm aware of docu-style and I'm aware of the, you know, the, the techniques that are used and everything, but I still switch off that part of my brain. Like, I don't... Like, when you, if you spend a bit of time on a set and then, you, and then you kind of, like, come away and watch something else, sometimes that can affect you a little bit. So you can go and watch, you know, a film that you love. If you've been filming all day and then in the evening you go and watch a film you love and, and then you know that in a scene where they're, like, you know, there's a reverse shot, two people talking and, you, and you're like... No, in reality, those those two shots probably weren't even filmed on the same day. Or if they were, like one of them was in the morning, one of them was in the afternoon. But my brain's not going to bother processing that right now. I'm mm. I'm really enjoying the you know the dialogue and the acting and the camera work. So I'm just not going to. So I don't dissect um, this country because um really I'm just well a I'm laughing too much, but I'm mm. just also just I mean I've kind of worked out that the mum's voice is uh, is Daisy. I can I think I you know, that's as close as a deep analysis as i as i've um <laughs> well you're, you're a better person than me because it took <laughs> it took somebody to tell me that that was daisy <laughs> oh really yeah. it took, i think it took me a series and a half to kind of go you know what i bet that's her and then i looked it up and i was right well, I was trying to make fe- put feelers out to to get Sue Clo in uh, <laughs> as a guest, and then somebody told me that you do realise that's Daisy. I thought, ah, oh, shit. You know what? You're you're in good company. I think one year the Oscars tried to give an Oscar to um the editor of the Coen Brothers films, uh, and the guy was a pseudonym that they'd made up to cover the fact that it's them that edit their own films. That's right. So, <laughs> yeah. so this this kind of shit happens all the time. Yeah. So with the first um, series, then that what was your favourite episode in the first series? Uh, well. Um, the one that really jumped out at me and made me go, holy crap, you guys are great, was the one where they're wait, waiting for the, um, the uncle who's come out. By the way, I'm just going to 
uh, full disclosure, I am terrible with uh, names, remembering lines of dialogue, or any of that stuff. So I'm going to be really bad at specifics. But the uh, what, the one where they're waiting for the uncle to come out of prison and like That's, it's literally yeah, oven space, uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. So it's the bottle episode, and it's like it's like two or three episodes into the series. And as a writer, when you like, we all love to come up with a bottle episode where we trap our characters in one space and almost play it out in real time. You know, every show does it from Breaking Bad to Peep Show. To, like everyone has a bottle episode in them, and and normally you save it till like episode five, or you save it till the second series. Like it's quite. So to do it, what, in, after, do you say it was the third episode? Third, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that is so brave and it's so brilliant. And, and also, obviously, the fact that memory serves even never shows up. So it's that waiting for Godot kind of style. Again, it's just, um, I, I was obviously loving it before then, but then I was like, oh, wow, they're doing, like, they're doing really clever stuff here too. It's not just, you know, like a fly on the wall. Uh, mockumentary it's like it's more than that and then i think the second series for me is kind of uh the way that they uh managed to i mean the first series has plenty of moments of heart in it but um especially the stuff with um you know carrie and her dad uh but the way the way they kind of amp that up in the um second series i think it's just brilliant I mm. think it's so much heart it's so kind of like hilarious and moving at the same time mm. it's weird how genius is is made out of um not necessarily mistakes but but uh Daisy and Charlie told us that the whole reason they did that episode that way was because they ran out of money and they Brilliant. had to shoot in one room because that was literally all that was left. Their, all their budget, wasn't it? I think that is probably everybody's, not yeah. everybody, but it's the, it's the favourite episode of Series 1. Oh, really? Is that, is that the consensus? That's it brilliant. seems to be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and obviously the other episodes have a ton of, um, like, uh, you know, like great moments and funny stuff in them. And, and maybe it's just that... Maybe it's that formal structure of like you know trapping them in the room. Like I really enjoyed the pilot, but it's quite heavily plotted. Like mm. you know the stuff, the scarecrow stuff. It's like that one for me like felt the most like a traditional sitcom, and then everything after that felt a lot less like a traditional sitcom, more like you know like a, yeah like a increasingly. But then again, maybe it's just because I was getting to know the characters. I mean, that's as a writer, it's something we're always aware of is that you know it's a really it's really hard to get people to fall in love with your characters and it takes a few episodes before and then the rhythm like a lot of people will go oh yeah the series got really great toward the end it's like no no it didn't get loads better toward the end it, you just literally got to know the characters and so mm. you were expecting you know the jokes were they landed better for you because you were more aware of what the character was like but go back and rewatch it from the start and you realize that it was always great mm. so so yeah but that episode does does stand out like it's still in my mind like, it's the one i remember Although uh, the phrase um, "he's a peeper" in, in uh, Tom <laughs> yes. will never leave me as one of my all-time like you dirty peeper. Yeah. <laughs> it's just perfect with the accent as well. The accent oh, makes totally. that so yeah. much more funny. Oh yeah, I was going to say. So speaking of characters, then that what do you have a favourite character from the series? Well, I mean, I, it's hard for me to pin it down. Like. Obviously, Carrie and Curtin are the best because they are the, they are the show. The yeah, arc. and I, you know, like she can just slay me with one of those like wide-eyed looks. Yeah, um, and then him, like I say, he just oh my God, I just used to hang out with a guy that was exactly like him and had the same kind of you know obsessions and mannerisms and kind of behaviour. So, um, so yeah, obviously those guys are my favourite. I love Len in his uh, in his weird little world, and um, and I just think the character of um, Kerry's dad, uh, Martin Mucklow, is brilliant. I just think he's 
just the worst and that which makes him great and it's just and it's just so heartbreaking the relationship that they have so um so yeah i mean but then like all, all the subsidiary you know slugs and mandy and everyone it's all coming back to me now all the names are coming back <laughs> yeah. Where i going to forget all the characters um, and of course the rev as well who retweeted me the other day which is always nice um so yeah uh he's just amazing he's just such a great um kind of warm like believable i mean i feel like i you know I think I feel I feel like I knew people like everyone in it. Mm. So and I'm sure you guys have met you know similar types as well. So yeah, it's um yeah it's met it's them weird, and, it's, met them and they're yeah. still in Siren Sister as well. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So uh, your um, process of writing, how do you go about when you get the germ of an idea? Is it all mm. about character or is it more about story? Which which? Yeah, that's a good point. Like. Um, it can be either. It can definitely be either. And I normally, I don't like to restrict myself to thinking that one is better than the other. So um, sometimes, yeah, you'll go, yeah, what about a guy who, you know, this kind of scenario, like he's a doctor, but he loves killing people. So it's like, wow, okay, yeah, great. I've got a character now who's like, he's got two levels of his character because he likes to save. And then then suddenly you've got like a bizarre twisted horror film. But then you might want to go well it's more of a situational thing like you know what's everyone going to do if they find out that um that uh an asteroid is definitely going to hit the earth uh, you know in a year's time and what does everyone do which i think is the premise of a crime show that came out recently so um so yeah uh so that's a great scenario setup as well and then you can start thinking about what characters you throw into that so when it comes to the germ of an idea um i mean i you know i'm lucky i kind of have worked with writing partners you know in my career so um it's normally the job of one of you to pipe up to the other hey has there ever been a you know a show set in a uh, you know like a, a cattery and then the other one to go no and it's shit that's a shit idea so don't do that but then if you know you kind of like you know if you spitball it and then you suddenly come up with a character that could work there and you know um, i'm deliberately giving you all my shit ideas okay so, don't worry, yeah. we're writing them down. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. good luck with them. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, it can it can be either. But um, but I think when when there's two of you or more, then the good thing is if you suddenly both find yourself getting enthused and excited about an idea, you start making notes, and um, and then if you're in a good space and, and it's a good day, then yeah, and they start flowing, then that's when you start to think, oh, okay, I may have a TV show here or a film. Have you ever toyed with the idea of a mockumentary? Uh, let me think. I probably have. Um, it was very... Um, yes, you know what? No, I have. I've filmed one. I filmed years ago, like in the very early part of my career, me and my, uh, my writing partner at the time, Chris Hayward, we came up with a couple of characters who were storm chasers who had moved to the UK on the hunt for a particular big storm, Storm Bernard. Uh, but there were a couple of like Texans and it was around the time of The Office, but, like, in a different kind of style in the, you know, it was more of a kind of a road movie of these two. But we ended up, like, you know, filming it and uh, putting it on YouTube to, like, probably about, you know, 89 views. But um, but it was our first attempt at that, um, that genre. I think between uh, things like The Office and then the American remake of Parks and Rec, obviously all the Christopher Guest films from, you know, Spinal Tap and Best in Show, right up to um, this recent one is, but yeah, all, all that kind of mighty wind and stuff. I mm-hmm. guess there's always a worry that you'll be compared to stuff that's been so great and well done, and you'll always worry that um, 
that maybe the, the appetite wouldn't be there for it anymore. And so I think it was brave of this country to go, you know, no, that's the format we're going to use, and then to just own it, which mm. is the thing. It's to not be worried about the people that went before you because every kind of, you know, story has been told and every format has been, you know, used. It would be like, you know, getting nervous about doing a sci-fi movie because Blade Runner already came out. So it's just like it's finding your own spin, finding your own take. And, and if you're confident enough with it, then just thinking, no, oh, fuck it, I'm going to do it. Then yeah. So the dynamic that you have, sorry, the dynamic that you have with your writing partner, is mm. there always one person that has the casting vote or do you, is it whoever shapes the loudest? How, <laughs> how, does that, how does that normally work? Well, so uh, for the last five or six years, I've been writing with my, my writing partner, James Serafinowicz, who we wrote Sick Note together um, and a bunch of other things. And, and, um, and we're now working for Simon Pegg and Nick Frost as their kind of as writer-producers working for their new production company. So right. we've got like a really, um, we're, like, we're very um, you know, excited about the job that we're doing at the moment. And Sick Note has been a great experience for us and hopefully will be an ongoing one. Don Johnson was incredible in Series 1, but Lindsay Lohan is incredible in Series 2. I was gonna, yeah. Yeah. We were going to talk to you about those in oh, a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah, we've got, um, got to talk about those. So, um, so James and I have a, I mean, well, you know, with both of my writing partners over the years, Chris and James, it's always been friendship first, and then, you know, you, know, you go into writing. So you, you've already got a rhythm as a friend, and you're making each other laugh. And really, like, it's just a case of knowing when to push or when to back down if you think you've got a great idea and then the other one isn't into it then you've got to convince them of why it's great and as long as you've got a good relationship with that person then even if they aren't 100 percent on board um but if you're passionate then it, they should kind of you know they should go along with it and, and then vice versa so it's like a it's a little mini democracy and sometimes you know troubles rise up and uh you know the uh, the good vibes break down and suddenly, you know, you get a little bit sulky because you're like, well, I think I should do better. And so you get, you get those little, you know, those little moments occur, but so rarely. And, um, and you, yeah. And also the thing is like ideas are in a, in a room where there's, you know, two or more of you writers room. There are, you know, ideas aren't quite as precious as people make out, but they literally can fly around. And sometimes an idea that sounds bad, with a little bit of time and effort can make brilliant. And then sometimes ideas that are brilliant, with one quick look on the internet, you realize that someone made that uh, film last year and you've, been, you've spent the last two hours spitballing an idea that like, literally just came out. So um, you shouldn't get too precious about them, I think. So, and so I think that attitude, as long as you both have it, um, a, a mixture of a lack of uh, preciousness and, and passion where it counts. Do you both spend much time on set then when you're... One one of your sitcoms or whatever's being filmed. Yeah, yeah, we definitely prefer to do it that way. Um, it's not a case of like you know like keeping an eagle eye out for when you know to make sure everyone's getting it right. It's more a case of things can always be improved. So, um, and also things go wrong. Like things go wrong on like on the last series of Sick Note, there was a, there was a day when we watched the actors rehearse a scene with the director before they were about to film it we suddenly realized it was a horrible scene and it didn't make any sense. And we were like watching it and our, like, you know, just our jaws dropped and we were like, this is going to derail everything we've been working toward because this scene screws everything. And we kind of ran onto the set and said to the director, Matt Lipsy, we just said, just give us two minutes. We just need to. And then we like there and then kind of like rewrote the scene with the actors and with him, with Matt. 
and got it to a place where we were all like, okay, thank God. We, you know, and everyone agreed. Like, if they filmed that scene, it would have been rubbish, and it would have derailed a lot of the hard work that had gone into the episode before it because um, like the storyline would have come to a clunking, really weird halt. I don't know what we were thinking when we wrote it. But because, um, you know, even when you create something, you're not, you're not the master of it. You, once you put it out there and you start to get everyone else's input and it's become so collaborative, sometimes you don't even know your ideas better than someone else does because once they get interpreted, brought to life, like, it could well be the um, version that was in your head is the wrong version. And I think that humility is important as well. Mm. But at the same time also, sometimes it's just a case of realizing that a, a joke's not going to land particularly well and you just suddenly have a new one pop into your head. And you can just you're just there to call it out and say, "Hey, can you can you know, can you try this version?" And yeah, it's all about making sure that everyone feels that the end product is better. I mean, I'm saying that that's my experience as a writer that, that does go on set and, and is a part of that process. But I'm sure there are examples where, well, in fact, I know there are. Having worked on shows where the writers were literally barred from set, so, <laughs> really. So it can happen both ways. Yeah. So um, we will talk about Lindsay Lohan in a minute, but I want to talk <laughs> about Don Johnson because sure. I will say, and again, kids, you will have to Google this, but back in the 80s, Miami Vice was my favourite show. It was a great show. And Don Johnson yep. was one of those guys that it doesn't matter what he wore, how he looked, he always looked cool. What, what's, it, what's it like to work with someone like Don Johnson? So, um, so the first time we Skyped with him, uh, to find out, like, to talk about his character on the show, and kind of like, because he'd read the scripts and he liked them, but he wanted to talk more about his backstory and stuff. James and I couldn't quite believe, you know, that we were Skyping with this guy. This, yeah, like you say, I, do, I used to try and do my hair like, um, yeah, <laughs> it was Crockett, wasn't it? Yeah, so I used to try and do my hair like Crockett's and I used to roll my sleeves up and, yeah. you know, Espadrilles. Yeah, espadrilles, all that stuff. Pastel um, colours. Oh, <laughs> and always wanted a pet alligator. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, well, I've got a pet tortoise, so I think that's oh, my attempt yeah. to try and be close to Crockett. Does it live on a boat, though? That's the thing. He doesn't know. Oh. We are not boat dwellers. So, um, so, so when we first Skyped with him, we were like a little bit starstruck. But he was so cool and engaging and funny and, um, and really collaborative about the character and kind of came up with some great ideas for him and like he was really like into kind of like helping think about like what he would wear and like you know his backstory and stuff and so then when he came over to film uh james and i had already built up a good rapport with him and like you know he we had like a week of filming with him he's in every episode and it's you know it was a, a meaty kind of part for him and we got him to say some pretty outrageous stuff because he's the most foul-mouthed character that we've ever written um and and he did it all with a plong, and he hit the ground running with it, and was a pro, charmed everyone, um, and was just like you know a joy uh, to work with. So, um, so it was annoying for us when we couldn't get him back for the second series. But what we did is we replaced him with someone uh, even more uh, <laughs> uh, like bonkers for a British sitcom, which was Lindsay Lohan. Which, um, so she comes in. Uh, without being too spoilery, because only the first season's gone out, but she yeah. comes in to play his um, his daughter. In fact, ends up saying something that's even more foul mouth than, than anything that came out of Don's mouth, to the point whereby Lindsay said, please don't make me say, say this line. Really? We were like, we were like okay, well, you don't have to, obviously, because uh, we collaborated. She, again, she was great to collaborate with about um, dialogue and what her character wouldn't even do. She was like, please don't let me say this line please can i have an alternative to this line so we gave her an alt and it was fine 
it wasn't quite as meaty as the one that we used. So like her, basically her introduction line. And then um, she shocked everyone by coming up with the original, just blurting out the original line. The cameras were rolling. And I won't repeat it now because you don't want to get like, you don't want your podcast to suddenly <laughs> well, it's, it's a big spoiler as well, well yeah, isn't it? You, something to look yeah, forward you don't, to. Don't, don't want to ruin it for the show more than anything else. We don't care. I mean, yeah, of course. You know, you can say what you like, but we don't want to spoil it because it seems like it's something that is going to get people watching the show without a doubt. I do, I do hope so. No, she. Um, so Don was very game and does some really uh, full-on stuff in series one, but then Lindsay, we got her some, doing some even more full-on stuff in series two, um, and we went a bit bigger and bolder with. Um, storylines and um, I mean the, the show itself uh, it's about Rupert Grint playing a guy who is uh, drawn into a situation where he has to fake having cancer which is you know, reasonably um, uh, like something that you shouldn't do right? and then Nick Frost plays his uh, bumbling doctor who kind of helps him um, propel this lie um, and then it's all about trying not to get found out but also trying to weasel his way out of this terrible lie that he's made theme of the show is lying about having cancer is bad and we want to make sure that everyone is aware of that. Right. Wonderful. Right, before we go any further, we're going to play a little game. Now, I know you said earlier on that you're not very good with uh, remembering lines of dialogue and stuff. Okay, no, I'm definitely not, but I, like, I love games. Right, so we're going to play Kerry or Curtain. I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. You have to right. tell me whether it was Kerry or Curtain that said it. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, as a writer, I expect you to get five out of five on this. Okay, I'm doing my, my <laughs> Here we go. Here's number one. If they stop at the traffic lights, I'll just knock on the window and say, what are you looking at, mate? Uh, I want to say curtain. Do you want to say curtain? 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 Or are you going to say curtain? I'm going to say curtain. It was Kerry. Oh, damn it. <laughs> that's number one. Number two. If you want to have a bucket list, that's fine, but don't drag us into it. Okay, that's Curtin. No, that's Kerry. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be naught for five. That's not. That's not for two so far. Number three, two quid. That was, and she threw that in as well. That's that's Curtin. That's Kerry. <laughs> oh my god! I was just, I was just playing a, a you know a statistics game. I was just, <laughs> oh okay, that's it's got to be a that's, that's zero for three. Number four. If he exposed himself to you, I promise I'll kill him with my bare hands. Okay, that's Curtin. That is Curtin. Well done. I remember that one. I'm going to give you a ding as well on the bell for that one. Well done. And number five, this is a solo flight. Oh, no, that's Kerry. That is. Well done. You redeemed yourself at the end there with the last one. That was my other favourite detail in the first series. The whole flight sim stuff. That was great. a beautiful, lovely, and hilarious and relatable detail. Um, yeah, no, I absolutely absolutely. So, so what what would you like to see for the future of this country? What what do you what way? I mean, obviously, with the way that it ended, what yeah. would you like to see as the as the future? It's a good question. So, I would like uh, personally. I don't mind a little time jump, and I don't mind um, to think that maybe you know Kerry did a month inside. And there's maybe, you know, taking some stuff on board because I think it might be a fun detail for a character to have uh, had spent a bit of time inside and maybe, you know, made some friends inside and got some kind of like lingo and stuff like that. But not enough time inside for it to be. Um, and also like, you know, minimum security, like not not a 
troubling place to be. Um, I say that with a high level security. <laughs> um, um, and I, what I hope for the show is that it does exactly what you know it did between seasons one and two, which is it develops the characters a bit, but not too much. It takes them a little bit further and it broadens the world a little bit, but again, not too much. I know. I remember at the end of the first series when it looked like Curtin was going away to Swindon College. By the way, Swindon goes Swindon. I was born to. Him. <laughs> but, um, uh, when he goes to, uh, yeah, you think he's going to go to Swindon College and leave, and then he comes back at the end of series two and it hasn't worked out. Like, I kind of hope it's that kind of thing. Like, I know, I think everyone gets protective about the TV shows that they love, and especially the ones that are small and feel that they're in a contained world and, you know, don't want to see it's Kerry and Curtin and Ibiza. And you don't want to see, you know, uh, you don't want to see them go too far, like, you know, anyone to win the lottery or anything like that. Like, there's so much joy and fun and everything to be had in the characters and in the smallness of their world. Mm. They don't need to expand them. But it doesn't hurt to throw little things like, you know, a month in prison or, uh, you know, stuff like that to kind of give them a new kind of perspective on life and a, and a new kind of, like, detail on the character. So a little bit of development, but not too much. And then just more of the same. Like, just throw in a new character here or there by all means. Um, the uh, the uh, vicar's son was great. Uh, I thought it made for a great storyline. Um, at the same time, you know, there's a Wonderful. Absolutely. Okay. Um, what, and what have you got coming up? Obviously, Series 2 uh, of Sick Note. Is yep, there any other things two. that you can tell us about? Or? Um, well, you said about the uh, Peg and Frost, didn't you? Um, so, yeah, so we're, we're working directly with uh, uh, yeah, Peg and Frost right now, and um, we are building a slate of um, TV film stuff, but we're quite excited about the TV stuff. Um, it's been announced that um, uh, we're working on a supernatural comedy Truth Seekers, um, with Simon and Nick writing, which is the first time they've written for TV, really, uh, as, a, as a duo forever, because Simon wrote Space and Nick didn't. So, um, so it's really exciting, and uh, it's all kind of, um, this is all very early days. We're a new company. So, so yeah, there's going to be lots to look out for in the near future. Um, and, uh, but the great thing is, you know, it's, it's all going to have the magic of its touch, be it humour, the geekery, James and I are. So, but also, yeah, just like um, it's going to be a lot of exciting and very varied uh, projects that, were, that we are excited about. Most of them we can't. When we can, it's going to be um, it's going to be some exciting stuff. And will this be set in England or or, or Britain or the uh, Truth Seekers is a yeah, it's a British set. Um, Wonderful. Fantastic. Um, if you could do a little favour for us, um, oh. when we've been doing this podcast, well, we've been doing podcasting now for five years, and oh. one of our first podcasts we did was with uh, Mr. Pegg's brother, Mike, oh, um, oh. and Simon very kindly retweeted the podcast for us, uh, and we got like 900 listens in a day, so could you thank Simon Pegg for us yeah, just for thank that? You. Because yeah, that was I'll... like five years ago when we first, it was one of the very first podcasts we it did, was, wasn't it? it? Was, and it, it really gave us a, ma- it was only a, a very small gesture by Simon Pegg, we're both massive fans of, of everything that Simon and, and Nick well, have course, done. So. Yeah, and there's the, there's the West Country connection from Simon as well, so and Simon and I love chatting about, you know, um, the home 
homeland. Indeed, so, absolutely. So if you could just thank him for, for us, because oh, we, 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 we saw that and we thought, oh, my God, Simon Pegg knows what Pancast is, <laughs> even if it was for that fleeting moment when he pressed it that was, retweet. It was a huge moment for it us. It was a massive moment for us. We, no, I, I mean, those things mean so much, and I, I've had exactly the same thing when I've put out sketches online or things that, you know, that I've worked hard on, and then, like, you know, someone who, you know, that you admire as well as, you know, just, like, Give it a little retweet. You're like literally, you know, oh my god, they, 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 they're aware of it. They maybe even listen to a bit of it, or they watched it. Exactly, so, it's a great just for that split second. That yeah. So um, so yeah, of course. No, I'll be um, I'll be you. overjoyed. By the way, well done for having a great podcast about a show that so far only has twelve episodes, and you have what twenty-two episodes. We we like, have we have yeah. amazing. I mean, I don't think Faulty Towers has got like a twenty-two episode podcast. Maybe it, maybe uh, it has. I, 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 Probably has um, somewhere out right there, but uh, so, um, and we've still got so, more yeah. planned. We do. <laughs> Brilliant. So, there's a lot uh, more to go. Well, the thing is, as long as we can keep finding super fans like yourself, people that we can talk to, it, yes. I've I've really enjoyed doing these because mm. it, you're basically just geeking out with other fans. It doesn't matter exactly. whether you're yeah. an accomplished writer like yourself or somebody that uh, we've just met on Twitter um, that you know that that just loves the show. That's what it's all about. And in the end, the whole point of doing this is to get more people to know about the show. Of course, yeah. And the great thing is, like, um, because it is such fun to talk about a show you love for half an hour with a couple of enthusiasts, and then the warmth and that love comes through. So your show mm. is basically, it's the This Country of Podcasts. Oh, so, my oh, goodness go. me. Thank yeah. you very much. So, oh, yeah, you can use that on the poster. That, yeah. <laughs> I think we will. Yeah. Um, thank you very much, Nat, for, for spending some time with us. It was a real pleasure to speak to you. It really has. Absolute pleasure for me too, guys. Great luck. Um, yeah, good luck with the rest of them. And um, yeah, stay in touch. Oh, we, we will do. do. And thank um, you very yeah. much. And good luck with uh, all the projects in the future for yourself. Indeed. Cheers. If you could just yeah. bear with us a second, Nat. We just got a little bit of uh, of um, what's the word housekeeping to do. Uh, Paul Carpenter on Patreon. So patreon.com forward slash WTAF. He's our latest donator. Is that the right word, donator? Patreon. Uh, Patreon. Pa- Patreon patron. Uh, $5 a month. So thank you very much for that, Paul. Um, as we're recording this, we uh, are the, the tickets for our live show, our very first uh, This Country live show went on sale yesterday. And we very nearly sold out already. <laughs> which is mental. Wow. Yeah. Which is crazy. They've put some extra seats uh, in, the, as you'll know it, Nat, the Sundial Theatre. Oh, the sundial! God, yes, it's been about right twenty-five next, years since I've been there. Right, well, right next to your uh, your old school. Well, it used to be, um, hall, it used to be hall two at Deer Park. Well, yeah, it, it yeah. was. It was. Um, yeah, that's where we had assemblies. Yeah, yeah really. Right. In fact, I was in a I was in a six-form band that used to play on that very stage. Well, there you go. It's just like a circle, isn't it? It's the circle it's of really, life. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Um, so, if you want shows, uh, shows. If you want tickets. Um, I w- there may be some left by the time this goes uh, yeah, online. Yeah, well, you can always um, look. Yeah, so just check the uh, Sundar Theatre website uh, and you can see if there are any tickets left, hopefully by the time this goes out, which will be a couple of weeks' time. So it's May the 25th. May the 25th. Friday, May the 25th. It's uh, Bank Holiday Weekend. It is. So you can come and watch our show and then go to the Duck Race in South Cerny. On and the Monday. Be a, yeah, and be a proper This Country whole weekend. <laughs> you can make a whole weekend of it. We've got some special guests, some special secret surprise guests. We're going to have some fun and games, and we're just going to have some fun for a, a couple of hours, all for This Country. And the podcast will go up of it as well. So you, it, indeed it will. So you'll be immortalised if you're there. Indeed it will. So, uh... 
Yeah, that's it. And then go to our Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram at WTAF This Country. If you want to email us, it's WTAF This Country at hotmail.com. Uh, and all our other podcasts, go to pancast at uh, no, pancast.co.uk. Yeah, got to the end. You, well done. Thank you. So once again, thank you very much, Nat. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. It's been awesome. Cheers, guys. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, Pav. Uh, that's it. So for Neil and Pav, this is a Pancast production. And go and plumb yourself, you fuckers. That's nearly that. <laughs> Just go and plumb yourself. Go on. <laughs> Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Pavel. Hey. Hey. Are you tired of listening to generic, boring radio podcasts? Boring. That's good. Want to put a bit of fun back in your Thursdays? Good work, you were long. So why not join us and Kelly and Jen naturally for an hour of sometimes NSFW fun and frolics? Could you mug a pug? That's the real question. No, you can never mug a pug. No, you can mug one off. (laughs) Including the UK top ten movies, third highest grossing movie of the year. The year is. Kelly's G spot. Oh. Jen's challenge. Jen, 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 challenge, 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 challenge. And also featuring Barry Gibbs health tips. Ta-da. There's nothing on TV on Thursdays anymore, so come and entertain your ears. You're funny. With the Pancast Show. Phenomenal. Check us out at pancast.co.uk or you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or other podcast apps. It's all right. Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.